As a small biz pro, I so we roll Using procurement, program and control As a small biz pro, I so we grow Using procurement, program and control I'm a businessman, yes I'm an entrepreneur Oh yeah, I'm a businessman, yes I'm an entrepreneur Oh yeah, I'm a businessman, yes I'm an entrepreneur Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Business Zone with Crystal and Gilbert Buchanan, your small business paramedic. Today is a very special day, folks. Not only is it Mental Health Month, not only is it the weekend of Memorial uh, Weekend, <laughs> but my co-host and I, we've got a very special show for you. Today, our show is all about Blackness, nah. all about all about <laughs> black wealth, black power, black privilege, in an economic sense. So, Crystal, what do you think we're going to talk about today? Well, Gilbert, you know, like you said, you know, the twenty has been a very uh, twenty twenty starting twenty actually five years ago when the, when the man that was in the White House is in the White House. But we, this is a very awakening time, right? We've been all waking up from a deep, 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 dark sleep and sound sleep. And so a uh, hundred years has passed since um, the massacre at uh, Black Wall Street in Greenwood, Tulsa, uh, Greenwood, Tulsa Oklahoma. And we're going to talk about that today. They're, they're really uh, celebr uh, not celebrating, but they're, they're acknowledging that 100 years ago, there was a massacre that destroyed a, a city uh, that had become economically sustainable. Uh, the things that we in our community talk about every single day is we need to recycle and keep our dollars in our community and mm -hmm. become sustainable. So there was a place in Oklahoma that did that. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, but, you know, it's just so much going on right now, Gilbert. And I think uh, I've been reading some amazing books about our blackness and and um and what needs to change and how it needs to change. Um, I read a book recently by a young lady, an author, her name was Heather McGee. It's called The Sum of Us, awesome book. And it talks about the coming together of the ethnicities to make change and create equality and justice for all of us and to mm -hmm. deal with um, the racial issues that we're all facing. Um, because if we sit down and have a conversation, just like we did when, um, uh, who was it that came on our show? Uh, um, that's from the Latin Latin Business uh, Restaurant Association. Oh, that's Lily. Lily, Lily Rocha. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We were having conversations with Lily, and and you know her brothers and her. You know they 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 have some of the, some some similar uh, situations and experiences and experiences yeah. that we have, and and in the last couple of weeks with the uh, Asian population and and people going after them because they feel they brought in the Chinese flu, the Chinese coronavirus. Yeah. And then then lastly, a couple weeks ago, last week, we had what was going on in the Gaza Swiss, uh, Strip with the yeah. um, Palestinians and Israel and now you know Jews here in America are being attacked. So it's just like racism has just taken 
a toll and has just got is out of control and and we need to get it back in the box and the, the genie back in the box because it's yeah. really creating a country uh, that is actually quite embarrassing yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest it's embarrassing to say you live in a country that there's one dominant grouping of people that feel they have all of the rights and everybody else is subservient that just bothers me uh, and, no and it is it is so amazing, Crystal, that we have a privileged culture who, if people don't look like them, then they're discriminated against. So you've got, you know, you've got the blacks, you've got Latinos, you've got Asians, you've got um, um, uh, Muslims, yes. you've got Native Americans. You see what I'm saying? Those are yes. all groups that don't look like the privileged culture, so therefore they discriminate against us. So my thing is, why don't all of our groups get together, form a coalition, and strengthen ourselves against that? Because they feel like they don't need us. Mm -hmm. And if we can form a coalition among ourselves, then we wouldn't really need them as well. We could just function within ourselves. And if they want to uh, interact with us, they want to do business with us, sure, we'll do business, you know. But at the same time, you got to recognize us. You got to respect us. You got to see us as being uh, a human being. Human. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as a human being and not just one drop of a, of a human, human, human being. So yeah. th those are the types of things that I'm seeing. And the more we strive to form coalition among other ethnicities and implementing those coalitions in terms of economics, you know, in terms of uh, um, uh, healthcare, in terms of schools and education, that's mm -hmm. going to really help not only just us, but also the society. Because a lot of our cultures are not being taught in schools because it's been purposely suppressed by the privileged group. Right. Or, or if they do talk about it, they give their own version of it, which isn't mostly true. You know, it's usually their, their rendition of what they think the story should be. Exactly. So, so I think we should really think strongly all of the groups that are affected, all of the groups and all minority groups in this country have been affected at one point or another, you know, and we can't just stand by and, and stay silent because it's not happening into our group this time around. But we should always, if we see the other group is being impacted, then we want to step out and say something about it. And we, we, we see it happening right now, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, perpetually, it's African Americans. Perpetually, that doesn't go away. No. You know, if, if there's a crime somewhere, we're the suspect. If we're right. just driving down the street, or if we're in a store, we're the suspect. Now, the, the the Asian community is being impacted. The Latinos have been impacted a long time ago. The Native Americans have been mm -hmm. impacted a long time ago the jewish population been impacted mm -hmm. uh, muslims are being impacted so we need to form a coalition we need to get together 
you know, and that's what I'm looking at. I, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, there's a poem that was written by a German uh, poet, and he said, uh, first they came for um, my neighbor, then they came for this person, then they came for that person, then they came for the black person, and then when they came for me, there was no one there to protect me. So right. that's really what we're talking about is that, you know, you're on the chopping block. So that leads me into this other book I'm listening to that I'm listening to right now, which is absolutely a phenomenal book. So if anyone that's out there listening, I would suggest get the book, read the book. If you're not a reader person, then get an audio version of it. But it's called Cast and Gilbert. So exactly what you're talking about is there was a there is a strategy that's going on this is not something it's but it's not just something that's happening it's a strategy with a working plan and a flexible working plan to maintain the subordinates of a grouping of people and the dominance of another grouping of people right so um like just like the caste system in india where you have um i think they're called the druids Druids, they are like the lowest caste in um, Indian culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're they're designated to do and to be the servants of, of of the others. And there are seven different levels to this until you get to the highest dominant level, which are called the bronze. Brian. Uh -huh. So America is that, but but their levels are. Black people, because we were the the regular, we were the slaves, the the property, the property that generated wealth for the dominant race. Mm -hmm. um, we are always at the bottom of the caste system, and then the next, they kept bringing in other Im immigrants in order to continue to bring in the strength of uh for the dominant so if you were a white of a white persuasion a, a lighter persuasion then you your level went up above us right so we're always yes. on the very very bottom and everybody else but ultimately the dominant caste which is the white the white uh the white caste the caucasian caste they're the ones that's in dominant so you really have to read so you understand truly what what is going on and the same thing hitler did the exact same thing with the jews they mm -hmm. just felt that the jewish people uh if they let them remain like they were then they because of the the proclivity to become wealthy would outrank them and therefore would take over so it's all about yeah. power and it's all right. about dominance so so yeah. we really need to talk about that in earnest and so that we can make a change and you're absolutely right if all of the uh, minorities came together to fight as a human one human because i this is what i say gilbert we are all the same on the inside mm -hmm. we all bone and blood and and tissue and all that right? right we all have the same organs we all function god gave us all the same capacity the only thing different is our outer coat our yes. outer coat, coat has a different color mm -hmm. and and god did that and so 
we're no different. Our, our experiences may be slightly different, but there's a core of us that's exact same. We bleed the same. We love the same. We have children. We grieve for our children. If, if something happens to them, we grieve for our lost ones. If something happens, we celebrate babe, new babies coming into our communities, into our families, and we celebrate and we honor our elders and we uh, mourn our death. So those experiences are the same. I don't care where you live on this planet. Mm-hmm. That if you true. are on this planet Earth, that is how we function. And so yes. to say that there's a dominant power uh, that is preventing from the other people from creating a sustainable lifestyle, then that's the problem. That's a problem. That's a problem right. that we have. So yeah. um, that's the nice box. So with that, today we're talking about a time. You know, I've heard kids say, a little bit of history that they did get in school. They always wondered why did we not, how could we just still be the same? We didn't fight back. How, what happened? And yeah. we didn't, we did fight back and we did come out of slavery with the goal to uh, make a better life for ourselves. And then mind you, Gilbert, we started with nothing. You know, we have yeah. business owners today that are always screaming, I need to have capital to start my businesses. These mm -hmm. people walked away from a plantation of which they were owned mm -hmm. in tattered clothing, tattered shoes. Some yeah. of them had fought in a war against uh, for the for against the civil war and, and wasn't respected on either side but was fighting for the freedom of this country. Mm -hmm. And they came out with just what was on their clothes on their back. Mm -hmm. And these people went to other places in this country and they were able to create a better life for them. So that's what we're going to talk about today. A grouping of freed um, slaves that, 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 made a journey to Tulsa, Oklahoma in a city called uh, a suburb Greenwood. called Greenwood and they created a um, a Black Wall Street which was built for Black people by Black people. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And the, and the country is talking about that today because one in 1921, 100 years from today, uh, actually, it was May 31st, 100 years from the day uh, that town was decimated, uh, mainly for them just trying to do what we talk about every day, have and live a life where we're not um, suffering and we can take care of our own. Yes, yes. So. And it, it's, it's so amazing that uh, we were involved or I would say enveloped in this um, uh, in that environment where we knew we could no longer survive under those conditions. Mm -hmm. So we walked away and when we walked away, we walked away with nothing. We had nothing mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. but we had to build we had to rebuild from scratch. And that, to me, is sustainability because those folks were able to uh, 
create things that helps them to sustain themselves so they wouldn't be dependent on the other culture, the privileged culture. Mm -hmm. And after that economy was built and starting to flourish and becoming self-sustainable, then the, 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 the privileged culture did not like that and they decided to destroy it. Right. Now we weren't we weren't relying on them for anything. We didn't need anything from them. We were self-sustainable. Right. You see what I mean? But they couldn't stand the fact that there's there are groups out there that are that are self-sustainable. So they wanted to come in, destroy it, and force us to become dependent upon them once again. Exactly. And isn't it something, Gilbert? Um, that, and you and I have heard this so much because, you know, the space that we're in the business space and we always have our clients are building businesses and trying to grow their businesses and, and capital is always an issue for them. Right. And, and what do you normally hear? Why can't you guys pull yourselves up by your bootstraps Yeah, and, and, and become independent and self-sustainable? So here is a group that a, a grouping of people, black people with nothing, did exactly that. And what happened? Right. You came along and you destroyed and destroy it. Destroy so, it. So you really truly don't want that. Right. Exactly. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Because, uh, and even the groups today that are saying, why can't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? We've been doing that over and over and over. We've been pulling ourselves up through the bootstrap because the system doesn't really offer us opportunities. It doesn't offer us assistance. What it does, it gives us a little pittance that we will remain dependent upon them. Mm -hmm. Welfare is nothing that really elevates us or transform us or take us oh, to no, another it level. Independent. It keeps us dependent upon the system, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and all those, even if you get a loan from a bank to start your own business, the loan is at outrageous rates yes. or, or the amount that you get in a business loan is so small that you can't really function the way that you ought to in order to be self-sustainable. So again, they try to keep us dependent upon them for more stuff. It's like, hey, you want to become a fisherman? Here, here's one fish. Go ahead and <laughs> eat this fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'm not going to give you the pole to go do your own fishing. Yeah, I'm going to show you how to do this. I'll just fish. give you a fish. Here, here's one fish, and you can try to feed your family with that one fish, okay? <laughs> and sustain, and sustain yeah. for a lifetime on that one e fish. Exactly. <laughs> and they know that once you eat that fish, tomorrow you're going to be hungry again. Right, <laughs> you're going exactly. to want another fish for you and the kids, right? So that's exactly what they do. So we want to break away. I mean, we broke away from this before 1921. Yeah, 1965. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing, Gilbert. When you were growing up, now I actually grew up in, in New York. So yeah. um, 
we we come from a, a much more militant stock up there. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I have I have relatives that grew up in the South. And I was speaking with someone yesterday and we were talking about that and how that um, the further away that you got away from the South in that mentality and not to say that that mentality still did not exist in the North because it did. Yeah. Um, they just were better at hiding it. Um, but, but still you, you, you strive for different things and you're from Jamaica. So you, you come from a, you know, the history of, of, of slavery and the Maroons in Jamaica, y'all were a fighting group of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, the question is when I know when I was growing up, I had to go look for my own black history. I had to read to find out exactly because I was curious, you know, that was, I grew up with Martin Luther King had been murdered and, um, John F. Kennedy and, 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 and Robert Kennedy, all of these things were going up shaping when I grew up. And so, but I I, I didn't get that history in school. Yeah. I had to go find my history, and I just happened to be one of those inquisitive uh, individuals that um, I I went out looking. How about you? What did you? What kind of history did you get? You know, it's amazing that you asked that, Crystal, because we learned about the slave trade. We learned about slavery. We learned about how things were back then for our four parents. Mm-hmm. But they gave us a mixture of, 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 of a lot of things. So they taught us about the transportation aspect of slavery, mm-hmm. how, how, how people got moved from one point to another, from mm-hmm. Africa to the Caribbean and to other um, countries. Mm-hmm. They talked about that. Now, they talked a little bit about the treatment of the slaves on those ships. Okay. How, how they forced them to, to eat mm-hmm. or whatever they gave them, it wasn't, you know, sustainable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't subsistence. So right. I mean, we're not gonna eat stuff. And some of the food that they gave us was was old stale food, rotten food. Right, rotten food. Eat. You had to make yeah. do with what you had. Yeah. And uh-huh. the thing about it is is like we're going, man, we had our own farms, you know, we grow our own food and it was fresh. Now we got to eat the stale stuff. These people don't even want to eat. You know, it's mm-hmm. been like three weeks old and we still got to eat it. Some of it's got maggots in it mm-hmm. and we got to eat it anyway. So, and, and as a result of that, some people didn't want to eat it, mm-hmm. you know, so they force them and say, well, you better eat because you're, you're my investment. You're my, you're my, 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 my asset. Right. So we're taking you to go put you to work on a plantation so we can produce, you can produce money for us. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you're a machine, you're a machine that's going to make money for us. Right. You, you know, that's how they saw us. So we learned that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Now, now what they didn't teach us, they didn't teach us about the Willie Lynch letter. <laughs> and and all of that. <laughs> See what I'm saying? 
<laughs> but, you, but you know, they try to say that Willie Lynch letter doesn't really exist, that it was a figment. Oh. It, it's like fake news. <laughs> oh, oh, they will, they will say that, just like they're saying that the election was a fraud and all of that, right? They'll say that. And just like they're saying that the, the January 6th uh, insurrection didn't occur. You know, it was it was a, a field trip that 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 we we perceive the wrong way. Right. Know? They were all they were they were kumbayan. Yes, exactly. So all of those things happen. So they but they try to hide they try to hide the 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 the, the, the system. The the, yeah. the the blueprint that they use to make that oppressive process successful. Yes. And 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 that blueprint is the Willie Lynch letter, which speaks to how to control you, how you can control these people, how you can suppress them, and how you can continue to make them work for you without paying them, and they'll be happy about it. Right. You see what I mean? So we, we we learned some of that, but we didn't learn that system right there. I mean, we saw it, we saw it manifested in front of us, mm -hmm. but we really didn't understand the the, the commercial the commer the commerce side of it. Oh, the commerce and, side of it, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you see what I'm saying? And, so, and, so, and in American history or class, uh, you know, when you're taking American history, they kind of glossed over that, and then they jumped right over into the Industrial Revolution, right? Oh yeah, and oh yeah, skipped all that other stuff, and oh, yeah. right into the industrial, like you know. But in America, that was the core of the building of this country yeah. was slavery, because that's how they became wealthy. That's right. how the banks became wealthy. That's how everyone became wealthy. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they were involved. Now, here, I'm curious before we jump into the, our topic today. So being, because at that time, were you in school with the Great Britain still, were you guys still a commonwealth? or were No, no, we had gotten our independence. Okay. Uh, I, I think our independence was 1961 or 1963, somewhere around there. So. Okay. So when I was born, we didn't have independence. I, we were still under the British rule. Right. Because the British. So so let me explain, because see, a lot of people don't understand how this whole slavery thing worked. Right. And the, 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 the whole slavery system has several components to it. So what happened is, just like just like the cable companies operate right now, just like the car companies operate in, the, in, in this country right now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is how it was back in slavery, where a group of countries who call themselves first world countries or the dominant countries, they came together and they strike a deal and they said, okay, all of us are gonna own the world we're going to own all of these countries. We're going to own all these slaves and we're going to dispatch them to our own little other right. other, other countries, right? Mm -hmm. So you had Britain, you had Spain, you had France, you had Holland, and you got Portugal. Those five countries control the world, right. okay? Mm -hmm. just, like, just like we have these cable companies control the, the commerce and the market. Right. You got AT and T, Verizon. Good um, analogy. You see I what like I'm that saying? Uh -huh. Yes. 
they came together just like those those cable companies because what those cable companies do they say okay you're gonna control north los angeles you will control south uh, this one will control the east side. That one will control the west side. That's how they give you up the cable. Mm -hmm. So if you notice in your community, if you want to use, say, if you want to use um, uh, Verizon, for example, as your internet service provider, you can't because Verizon doesn't provide services in your area. Right. O only AT&T and Spectrum. Yes. You see what I'm saying? right so that's what they did in slavery they divided the world so so the five major countries at the time spain england france uh portugal and uh holland those mm -hmm. five they control and they divided so if you notice most of the languages that were spoken at that time it take on that form so the countries that that england control there were English-speaking countries, mm -hmm. right? Or right. if they did, or if they didn't speak English, I forced them to speak English, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, so England controlled Jamaica. We didn't care about speaking English, but they forced us to, right? Exactly, because they brought us there, and we speak our own African language, and you mm -hmm. know, we we've, we've got dialect that we speak also. So they say, hey, don't ever speak like that. You will speak English and English only. Right, so exactly. You actually do. could die from exactly. from not speaking English. Oh, and, yeah. But you couldn't speak cultured English. Right. You had to make sure they yes. had to make sure that you sounded subordinate to them. So you can so they can understand what you're talking about to make sure you weren't planning a revolution against them. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so you had to speak the, their kind of language so they can understand you. So, you know, we didn't listen to them. We talk their own language too. So when we get together in a group, you know, we'll, you know, what we would do is we would sing. So when we sing in our language, yes. that's how we communicated. Now, now, now that's another reason why we know so much about slavery because songs were written about the oppression of slavery, what happened, how they transported us from Africa to Jamaica, and what happened along the way. They said right. some of us, some of us, our foreparents will jump overboard and commit suicide in mm -hmm. shark in, shark infested water because mm -hmm. we didn't want to go to the fate that we're going to. You know, hi Tanya, how hey, are you? Tanya. <laughs> now Tanya, remember, and, and it's so funny, Tanya popped in just right now, right? Because yeah. remember when Tanya and her daughter, were you on, were you, uh, Tanya came on the show with her and her daughter. They had just come back from Egypt. No, I missed that. I missed okay, that. so Tanya was telling us when we were talking, they're jumping off the ships and jumping off the slave ship. So when they were leaving out of America, out of uh heading to to um on their trip uh she said they that they received a letter from the tr uh, the group that they were traveling with and they were saying the letter contained that you are now flying over uh the the waters your aunt some of your ancestors may have jumped off the ship in order to they would prefer death over over uh, being a slave yeah and she was saying um how how powerful that was 
when she when she, when that happened. So it, oh, it's yeah. just you know when you when you travel back uh, yeah. to find out more about your history, yeah. it's such a uh, a feeling yeah. uh, that you get, and so it's, it's heart rending because yeah. you start you start imagining living in those times and going through those things, and it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Think think about a person having to make a decision between jumping in a shark infested water versus going to be a, a slave on a plantation where you'll never see your family again. Right. You know, and you nor your saying? country. And you or don't know country. what is going to happen to you. You yes. just know that this cannot be good because they stole right. me and they got me chained up and yeah. I'm in a hull of a ship. So I yeah. don't know what's on the other side, but yeah. I know it's going to be far worse than this. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So picture someone kidnapping you. They put stuff over your head and put you in a, in a, in a vehicle and drive you far, far away that you don't even know where you're going. And they're going to put you on some plantation to work where you know, you're going to work so horribly, like, you know, maybe 18 hours a day. You right. see what I'm saying? Oh, uh, no food. No and food. also be beaten at will beaten, and whim. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be made to sing and dance for somebody's pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any of those things that took place. And so, you know, when we talk about what the, our topic that we're going to talk about today, you, you actually have to ask yourself, how did a people last through three generations? Because that's really what for me, my family was actually three generations. How did we survive the torturous stuff and still come out that on the other side of that when we were finally emancipated and be able to create something? To me, it would be we you know we talk about this being mental health month. Can you imagine, I mean, when we talk about post-traumatic uh, um, uh, syndrome, what that would be like, everything about us is culturized based upon the brutality that our ancestors lived through and how they survived is beyond me. And that's why when the people from the privileged group or the privileged culture say, you need to forget about that. You know, you can't keep talking about that. They don't understand that trauma. They don't understand how it impacts you. Now, think about this. Think about this. Picture a person who's been abused by their parents, you know, whether the parents slap them around or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Slap them around and then they grow up to be an adult. So that's like, let's call it 30 years, right? Yeah, right. So you're going to remember those things. And if in 30 years you're still going to carry that those scars around, you know, the way your parents treated you horribly. Mm -hmm. Now picture us 450 years. You see what I'm saying? Going through those kind of trauma and still reliving those traumas every day. Still, still getting still getting that police profiling, still getting, you know, unfair treatment, still getting people saying, hey, Here's an opportunity, but it's not the real opportunity because, you know, you want to purchase a home, you can't get one because they won't give you a mortgage. You know, right. all, all your economics has been has been um, uh, arrested from you. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. And and to go in and try to get that mortgage. And, and not only do they just not say no, they humiliate you to the place so that you will never come ask again. That That's yeah. it. They want to make sure you stay in your place. Uh, Tanya yeah. said, we must keep talking about it because we should never forget. And she's going to get me a copy of that letter uh, that that's she right. read because she said that it was, it was really, we have to go back and um, there's a, uh, the the videos in our archive, but you know you could feel it. She goes, it felt like the, you know when they were reading it, goosebumps on their arms and their heart felt yeah. the deepness of that. Oh yeah. But we're gonna jump over to so those individuals that did leave and 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 were able to make themselves of something of themselves. So here yeah. they come and they leave and they get their freedom. And, and they go and they travel across the country to the wild, wild west, you know, where, you know, again, the dominant culture has eliminated uh, the, the, the Native American from their lands, basically yeah. doing the exact same thing, right? Yeah. But what that did was they left some opportunities. And so in that, there were a number of individuals, one individual for sure, and we're going to talk about him, that he built and he was the beginning, the founder of uh, what we all have come to know of as uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma's Black Wall Street, which was in, yeah. in the district of Greenwood. And mm -hmm. I don't know if, I don't think I learned about Black Wall Street when I was in school. I think no, they won't, was, they won't teach you that. They will yeah, not teach you that. I don't think that. I got that. I think I, I doing my research and my, inqui my in, uh, inquiry and, and my thirst for learning as much about us as I could possibly find, then I ran across uh, Greenwood. Uh, a it, it, already, it always made you think like, wow, we are, a we are still, after all that trauma, able to to build and to become uh, and to have dreams. I mean, yeah. just literally to have dreams. So uh, this, this, uh, the founder, this is the guy, this was during the time when everyone was migrating over to um, out West. And they, they, it was nothing for them in the South after the civil war. Um, African-Americans were emancipated and uh, they began integrating into the tribes a relationship that would provide freemen with their with their own land. Now there were also some situations where the Native American also held us captive, but it, but uh, for the most part, um, they were kind of allies. So uh, in Tulsa, they were able to create uh, an African American uh, district thrive, that thrived as a community of business leaders and visionaries. And I know. We talk about this all the time. You know, this is the whole mission of Recycling Black Dollars is to be able to uh, create businesses and support our own businesses and create economic wealth and empowerment within our own communities so that we would not be, we are not dependent on others. So, but before Greenwood, this is a, just a little history for those of you that didn't get that history lesson. Uh, before Greenwood District was established, African-Americans came to Oklahoma in the mid-1900th century, uh, 19th century as slaves of the free civilized tribes. And the term used for the Cherokee, uh, the Chickasaw, the Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole, Seminole 
tribes who were forced from their lands in the southeast part of the country, resettling in Oklahoma and then known as the Indian Territory. So this is where they, um, and again, uh, uh, there were there were slaves of the Indians had slaves as well. In fact, that's how probably how those of us that have Indian blood got our Indian blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because and, and and Crystal, I want to touch on something on your first slide there, which is very very important, and I would like a lot of our folks to recognize this. We've heard of Farmers Bank before, but we had no idea that it was mm -hmm. first owned and created by a black entrepreneur. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, we heard of Mutual Life Insurance Company. We never know it was created by an African-American slave. No. Ex-slave. You see right. what I'm saying? So we right. never knew that. And also, um, a lot of these uh, companies that are out there right now, like... like um, Union Bank, for example, Union Bank was formed to uh, protect the, the 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 farmers and 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 low income folks. That's what mm -hmm. Union Bank was for. But then it got taken over by these capitalists who totally lost the vision, the vision of what Union Bank was all about. And now they commercialize it so when we try to get loans they treat us just like the other banks that's not what the purpose was the purpose of union bank was because we couldn't get loans minorities could not get loans from anywhere else so that's why that bank was formed if you ask if you ask a, a manager at union bank right now about that they have no clue about that story they don't know wow. the purpose or why it was so it's the same thing with farmers bank right here so i just wanted to put that out there thank you that, i didn't even know that i didn't know that as well like i said it's just so much information that we don't know about um and, and so in that in the early night in the in the 1900s um these these businesses these black people pull themselves truly up by their bootstraps and they went to find a better life. And, 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 and here they, again, here's another journey. They know had no idea where this journey was going to go, but uh -huh. in this journey, they were like, well, it's gotta be better than where I am. And mm -hmm. so, um, uh, so basically the, the, the relationship of the wealth or the relative wealth of some of the black folks in Oklahoma came in part through their connection with their tribes and ownership. Um, and then there were some Dolls Act of 1887 authorized the government to divide the Indian territories into a, a, a visual Native Americans, which included some birds. And as the word spread, uh, in the Indian ter territory, that it was a safe place for African Americans to settle, and this was between eighty-five and nineteen twenty. More than fifty black townsmanship townships were founded in Oklahoma. Now, here's the interesting thing: I have friends that are from Oklahoma. They didn't even know Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Good Greenwood, uh, or the Black Wall Street actually existed. <laughs> and they're Unbelievable. from Oklahoma. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, how they withhold that type of information from, from the general public. You see what I mean? Because right. they don't they don't want us to know the extent of the cruelty that they imposed on 
African Americans, you know, I should yeah, say Africans. The, the, the efforts, the heroic efforts that went in place to keep you from finding out. So yeah. there's a book that I read last year called Black Fortune. So if you guys are interested, there it, it, it's actually talking about the seven wealthiest of black people in American history. And uh, this guy was one of those. His name was Ottawa W. Gurley. He was a black educator, entrepreneur, and landowner who was born to former enslaved uh, Africans at the beginning of the 20th century. He went to Oklahoma and um, he was, um, he, he did some, there was the Homestead Act, right? And so he purchased 40 acres of land in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, he was born, he was raised in Arkansas, moved to Oklahoma during the Oklahoma land rush of 1889. After running a general store in Perry, Oklahoma, Gurley, a serial entrepreneur, moved to Oil Rich Tulsa and reportedly purchased 40 acres of land on the north side of the city with the vision of selling residential and commercial plots to African-Americans. Uh, Gurley wasted no time opening a boarding, a rooming house, purchasing buildings, and providing loans to help other people start their own business. So he was one of the founders. And what he did of, was... Of Black Wall Street. Uh, of Black Wall Street. So what he did was he reached back. He was encouraging people to come, that they could buy this land, and that he... Uh, could, they were going to create, you know, a, a utopia, so to speak. Right. So, um, to, promote, to promote self-sufficiency because they know that if we went to the, the privileged dominant culture, they wouldn't try to recognize us. They would try to, you know, steal our land perhaps. So And, and the same thing that goes on today. They would have prevented that from happening, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the second level of slavery was the uh, sharecroppers, right? Yeah. We give yeah. you a little bit of a land. And at the same time, when we did that, then we were making sure that you still stayed in servitude, just another mm -hmm. look of servitude, didn't yeah. call it slavery, but yeah. you still were in servitude. So these people were like, let, the, let me get the heck away. So yeah. there was another um, um, oh, architect. Yeah, Another architect. architect. Uh, let me jump over because I moved. What happened? I missed this guy. Uh, uh, oh, let me go back. So go anyway, back. there was another guy. I don't know what happened to him, but his name was um, uh, J.B. Stanford, and he was the former son of a of um, he was a somewhat a former enslaved man. He was a lawyer from Kentucky. He owned um, pool halls, shoe shine. Of parlors and boarding houses. And before moving to Tulsa in 1889, uh, with the goal of creating wealth in Indian territory, uh, Stanford invested in real estate properties and brought the Stanford Hotel on Greenwood Avenue, a luxury establishment that was considered the largest black owned hotel in the country with 54 guest suites, a pool, um, a salon, a salon, saloon, and also a dining room. So even today, that is always the quest of Americans is right is to black America is to buy real estate. And as you can see, 
this real estate really helped in helping you develop and create your wealth. So that's what we are always talking about. Don't just be in an apartment building. Hey, Lloyd, the, owning the, the, the renting from a building, you want to buy the building because that's, that's right. what gives you leverage. And so right. that's what gave these people leverage. Another right. one of the architects of Greenwood was uh, A.J. Smith, Smither, Smither, Smitherman, whose family moved to the territory in 1890. Uh, he founded the Tulsa Star, a black newspaper based in, in, in Greenwood. Uh, as a publisher, he was outspoken about discrimination and, form, and regularly informed African-Americans about their legal rights and called for black men, many in Tulsa who served in World War I, to take up arms in response to white mob violence. Now, I have a kinship with this man because he actually came from Buffalo. Oh, so, yeah? <laughs> he left, he left and, and, and went from Buffalo there. So he literally went to, he actually, um, when I was reading um, the articles that I pulled up here on um, the History Channel, he actually um, intervened in lynchings and other kind of events throughout Oklahoma. He was an activist in every sense of the word. Um, residents looked out for each other and supported the black businesses. And so um, this is what his role was. And this is something that uh, Dr. Um, Claude Anderson always talks about. He talks about the fact that if you own the media, then your story will be told. Mm -mm. If you don't own media, then they're going to tell your story for you. And so that's why it's, so, it's, it's amazing now that we have podcasts and, and vehicles that no one can control our content that we're creating mm -hmm. uh, because we're in control of that. So it's really important that we have an outlet that we speak the truth and we tell our people and we help our people grow, which is one of the purposes of uh, the business zone is to help you grow by the information that we're gathering and sharing with you. And then the guests that we have that come on and experience and share their experiences as well. And and see, this is a great this is a great segue into this, Crystal, because having our program here, the Business Zone, it provides a platform for us to share information to people who we are here to help. And the information we're sharing is unfiltered, unfiltered, just like this Booker T. Washington uh, gentleman. You know, he also did the same thing you know he uh, i mean mr ellis walker would i'm sorry yeah so he did the same thing you know by having his newspaper he was able to share information to the minority groups uh share legal advice with them when they're i'm sure they were being stopped and frisk illegally back then <laughs> Even back in that day. <laughs> Even back then, <laughs> stop and frisk and, and lynched and, you know, all of those things. So he probably was saying, hey, you guys got rights. You know, these guys can't just run upon you with their with their trucks and guns and, 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 and do whatever they need. You know, you guys need to bear arms as well. You know, you've got a right to bear arms. So those are some of the types of things that – so that's why when we have these programs, Crystal – it's important for uh, our, our, our audience to hear what we have to say because 
this is free information we're just we're disseminating. You know, this is stuff that you guys probably would have to pay a lot of money for in in college. You know, you yeah. go to college, you're gonna have to pay a lot for what we're disseminating to you, and what we're giving you is direct information straight from the 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 the, the, the war zone. You know, <laughs> the war zone. And, and and hopefully this information you'll take and go do your own research so you'll yes. find out more. And I am very today I spoke to a couple of young people uh that's going to be interns and they're all about civil rights and justice and finding out information about their history. Yes. You know, I don't I can't say when I was their age, I mean I, I was, but not everybody I knew was out looking for uh, uh, that information. Right. And this is one of the things. Uh, so the next one was obviously uh, b education drew black families to Greenwood. Now we all know how our parents really, really emphasized education. And there yeah. was a reason why when you had an aunt, your, your parent and your grandparent um, were descendants of slaves, they understood that the more knowledge you had, uh, the safe, you know, you could really make a change in your life. And, yeah. and um, you know, you would hear them, don't be ignorant. That Just don't be ignorant. Don't be yeah. stupid. And you yeah. need to get your education. So education was big. And so Booker T. Washington, he actually uh, opened a school uh, in 1913 in Greenwood because education was important. You can't keep your wealth if you're not educated. That's right. right. And so he hired Ellis Walker Woods as the principal, and he was a beloved educator who would serve in that role for 35 years. A Woods, who was college educated, walked from Memphis to Oklahoma after seeing a flyer advertising for black teachers in Oklahoma. Wow. So when we are determined, he walked from Memphis, Tennessee to Oklahoma. That ain't around the corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, he was looking for a better life for himself and 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 his future family. Right. Uh, so he was a, another one of the architects. And then uh, another architect was Simon Barry, a pilot. He responded to the Tulsa's white-only taxi service by seeing an opportunity and opening his mo his own taxi service with his Model T Ford and then expanding that operation to include a bus line and later a charter plane service for the wealthy oilmen uh, that discovered oil in Tennessee. Now, there you talk about some innovation. That yeah. was the that was the early Uber. He was yeah. the early Uber. That, he was right. the Spirit Airline. Yeah. He was the, the Southwest Airline. <laughs> and he had the he was the Greyhound bus man. <laughs> that's right. And see, that's the thing. That's the thing I wanna kinda um uh make a lot of entrepreneurs become aware of. Most of the times or I should say, yeah, most of the times that you decide to embark on an invention or to solve a pain in the marketplace is because the way it is, you were not getting any satisfaction. You're not getting, you know, you may not receiving service or they may not be catering to you. They may block you out. They may restrict your access to their opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's why you went out and you started your own business to solve that pain, not just for you, 
but for others like you in your community. So that's why a lot of entrepreneurs get started. That's why a lot of these guys got started. They saw yeah, a pain in the marketplace. And there was tons of pains. Yeah. They had a whole frontier of pains that they could feel and was open. So that's what we're saying uh, to our, our entrepreneurs. You know, it's fantastic to open up a business, the, the t-shirts and all that sort of stuff. But if you look around and you recognize that there's some major pain points in uh, the community that you live in or just in, in general, then look at starting a business that that is going to satisfy someone's pain. You're going to provide the solution. You won't have to go looking for clients because mm -hmm. you will become the solution for something that they have been looking for all along. Right, it's right. like we got it backwards, right? People yeah. start that business and they want, they then have to go look for the customers in order to support that business. Don't do that. Right. Create the business that's filling a void that is not there that they need. And then they will flock to you. So that's where really where that comes from for you a ready-made market yeah yeah you don't it's a ready-made market you don't have to work that hard in starting a business you can actually uh solve a, a, a pain point or a niche that's being unmet now another wealthy family it was john and lula uh, Williams, they became they became some of the wealthiest people in Tulsa. They owned the Dreamland Theater with a rooming house, uh, uh, with a rooming house and a confection. That's why financial literacy says it's filling the void. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, Tanya. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, th this couple, they owned a rooming house, they a confectionery, a commercial real a rental property, and a garage. Lula Williams was was a was a much as much um, a partner in all of the couple's businesses, and other women in Greenwood be uh, became entrepreneurs as well. So that was the other thing that they did, Gilbert. Mm -hmm. They actually. Um, supported each other so if right. i was starting a business then they 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 if they had money to invest they invested in to help that person grow that business and then they and then that person would help that next person and that's how you do that you're using your whole um you're using your the whole community to uplift the community it's you not know, just one person you know what's amazing about this trend that we're looking at here, Crystal, with these uh, inventors who came before us, these pioneers that came uh -huh. before us? They all engage in separate industries that when you put them together, they form a coalition that help develop the infrastructure. And because... You, you have transportation. This guy did the plane, the taxi, you know, the buses. He did all of that. This other guy right here, he provided room and board and housing. That's part of your infrastructure. The other guy taught education. So he educates you, lets you know what's going on. That's part of your infrastructure. And then the other guy before him, he did the, the, the land. He purchased a 40 acres of land and he sold... Uh, portions of it so you can build your own house and it's a part of your infrastructure. So this is just amazing, Crystal. This it's is just amazing. amazing. And although there were wealthy black people in Greenwood, there were also people that were struggling, but those are the people that needed jobs. So then yeah. these people, they were able to provide employment for their communities mm -hmm. and they 
um, and the money they spent and helped build their community. So you're right, Gilbert. They were building a community oh, of yeah. services that they couldn't get outside of their own community. Oh, yeah. So they were creating their own community. Mm -hmm. um, so you had a lot of people that were working in hotels and so forth, and they got paid. Right. So this other young lady, uh, she, um, and, and still part of this infrastructure, yeah. made a little... She came from Bali, Oklahoma, arrived in Tulsa in 1913 with a dollar and 25 cent in her pocket. Wow. Uh, she, she, now, this lady lived to be 104. She just died, I think, a couple years ago. I, I think she died on May May 21st this year. Yeah, so she just died. She yeah. survived the, the, the massacre. She opened a successful hair salon and worked in the beauty business for decades. So yeah. again, yeah. she created another service that that wasn't being met. Black right. women right, exactly. were being in barbers. They had, I mean, they needed a plate. They were going to work, so they needed yeah. to look decent, and right. and they and they created so. Um, they didn't take their money outside of the district. They put their money back in the district that they were living in so that they could create this community. And right. I must say, you're absolutely right, Gilbert. They were creating their foundation. Uh, thank you, Rhonda. <laughs> um, they and created and their thank own. You, thank you, Lloyd, the truth, McLeod. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so... The Green Room residents supported Black-owned businesses on um, Wall Street. Uh, they looked out for each other. They supported Black-owned businesses. In the district, there were luxury shops and restaurants and grocery stores and hotels and theaters and barbershops and saloons and pool halls and nightclubs funeral homes and offices for doctors, lawyers, and dentists. And Greenwood also had its own school, its own post office, its own hospital, and its own jitney service. So they didn't need anything outside Beautiful. of their own community. Now, I would, you know, it's, you, 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 you know you don't want to be separate, you, but there's no equality in You're being right. working together. So yeah. I would be fine living in a community that provided everything oh, I sure. need and supporting everything I needed. Just pack myself up, lock, stock, and barrel, find me in some empty land, uh, and then that's what we need to do. Because, But again, even though we weren't bothering anybody, they, right. In Tulsa, they weren't in Oakland, on Black Wall Street or Greenwood. They weren't bothering anybody. But on May 31st, 1931, 100 years from uh, Monday, a white mob descended on Greenwood and destroyed it. Right. And my understanding when I did my research, it was they didn't even know we existed because that's a, that's an interesting thing. The yeah. dominant culture really doesn't know you exist because right. they're not coming to look for you, right? right, right. It's only when somehow or another what you do tends to fall over into their ear their ear uh, space and then they're about it. So what I had heard was the poor whites of, um, of Greenwood couldn't get loans from banks. Right. And so 
They would um, come to the black establishments. They came to the black banks and the black establishments and they gave them loans thinking right. that they could do that. Well, no. So when they this person went and they got money, they're like, well, how did you get this money? I went over there to the black town, but that's not the word that they use. And you all yeah. know that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I went over. So even in that, they were derogatory. Yeah. I went over there to you know, to the other place that they were yeah. going to call, that they called us and they gave me a loan. You didn't give me a loan. They gave me a loan. And they're like, where they get money to do that? And right. at that point, they put it on the radar. And then on May 31st, 1921, sorry, that was probably 1921, a white mob descended, destroying a thousand homes, multiple businesses, displaying, um, displaying, uh, displacing the district's 10,000 residents and a reported 300 black residents were killed. Uh, and you know, you know, you know what's amazing about all of this right here, Crystal? What's really similar and familiar about this what's is that? all of this massacre that occurred, it started with a lie. A lie. You see, well, yes. just just like recently in our elections. That election fraud claim is a lie. It started by, you know, someone who is a loser who can't stand losing. Yes. And, and they created that lie. They did the same thing with the Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was uh, um, a, a black gentleman who yeah, was... Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's how they created the drama part of it. Yes, yes. yes. He was, he was a, 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 I think he's a shoeshine cleaner or, or a service worker. Mm -hmm. And there's this white woman who was going in an elevator and she decided to lie that this gentleman touched her and he mm -hmm. never did. He never did. Yeah. So then she went, she went to, you know, all of these, you know, uh, privileged folks back then and, and, and lied to them and said, Hey, this person touched me and the person never touched her. And this is how this whole race war thing got started. And then they came out with their body and they didn't just, you know, they didn't just come in. They bombed. They dropped yes. bombs on the city, right. on the township, so that they could get rid of it. They wanted to level it, and they wanted to make sure that it was never rebuilt. They so wanted to demolish that takes, so That's some hatred. That's, right. that's on a whole nother level of, of understanding. We weren't bothering them. You didn't right. have to take care of us. You didn't right. have to do anything with us. You could have just left us alone and been, we've been on our side. We would have been doing what we were doing. But what happened, you decided that no, how in the world can those people be able to come up? Because again, if they're coming up, they're not in their place. They need to stay in their place. They cannot. And, and see, again, Crystal, that's another reason why the government should compensate anyone who were descendants of those folks who live in that neighborhood because you can't just have regular civilian people bombing a whole community <laughs> without the government knowing about it. You see what I'm saying? Unless they are a part of it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because these are people, they took planes up in the air and they dropped bombs on the city. So what about the police? Where was the police then? You know, exactly. where was the government? You know? So you know they were a part of it. So that's why the government is responsible for compensating us for that. <laughs> exactly. And so um, um, 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. They should be compensated. And then so uh, this weekend, I think that's some of the conversation that's going to be had is, you know, how wh what needs to happen. Um, so what happened after the massacre, uh, Greenwood was rebuilt, actually, obviously not to the level that it was before because it, it killed multiple people right. um, and destroyed house, 10,000 houses with the help of B.C. Franklin, a lawyer from uh, Rentyville, Oklahoma, that he moved to uh, Greenwood a few months before the massacre. Uh, he was successfully he successfully challenged the discriminatory ordinances meant to stop Greenwood residents from rebuilding after the massacre. So there's a there's a a program, a documentary that's coming on this week this weekend. So you can really get the full story. I highly suggest everyone do as much reading as possible. This is how we overcome. This yeah. is how we learn how the strategies so that we too can build uh, Black Wall Street around the country. Right. We have to get out of this place that we're in. We have to, as, as Tanya said earlier, we have to understand financial literacy. We after have to understand buying real estate helps you create assets. Assets. We have to be able to control our own media so that we can tell our story so that they're not telling you the big fat lie. Yeah. Um, you, we have to not, and this is a big one, I think, Gilbert. We cannot let them come between us as a people and let them lie on what and who we are. I think right. that has been a problem over the years. Them yeah. being able to come break you down, separate you, the Willie Lynch, and to be able to infiltrate in order to destroy you. We yeah. have to be lock solid right. to make sure that doesn't happen. This is the only way we protect our communities. I'm going to run this little clip. Hopefully it will run. Uh -huh. And let's see. And this will be what it, uh, they're going to do a um, a program this week called Tulsa Burning. Uh, it's going to be on the Hist History Channel. And so I highly recommend everyone watch it. And so let's see if, we can, if I can play it. I want to take you back 100 years ago. It's the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma. You'll feel like you walked into a 1921 version of Wakanda and all is vibrating. Some people called it Black Wall Street. Can, can you enlarge the screen? Sunrise can, um, and be exchanged only by black hands. Uh, you can't do that no. Then. And no. then came the massacre. Okay. People want to say, oh, it was the Klan and this mob violence. No, it was the police department. It was yeah. the of Tulsa. This was mm -hmm. the largest race massacre since the Civil War. I'm Kalalia. Blind Spot, Tulsa Burning. It's the story of a community set on fire and how a century later, the residents are still rebuilding. I refuse to stand by and allow lies to be told. From the History Channel and WNYC Studios, in collaboration with KOSU in Oklahoma. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. See, so, I, I'm telling you, man, it's unbelievable. I personally believe, Crystal, that there should be a Black Wall Street built in every community in order to promote sustainability. You see what I mean? Across yes. this country, in every community. 
I, I quite agree. I think um, that is the only way we, we have to become self-sufficient. We have to become, um, we have to, we have to be able to fight a, 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 to keep ourselves sustainable. We have to stop buying into the dramas uh, yeah. that, that they present to us. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to protect our children, but we cannot protect our children if we don't, if we're not a cohesive, connected coalition right. of people. Right. And and that's why I keep saying all the time, man, not only just our group, but also the other cult, the other minority groups. You know, we all, if, if you put all the minority groups together, do you know what? the percentage of majority dominance we would have because well, the la- la- Latinos are 39 Latinos are 39% African American is 13% okay and then Asian yeah Asian is about 9% so already let's let's put that together so 39 plus 13 that's 52% right there 52 plus 9 we're talking about what, sixty-one uh, percent? Uh, okay, that's sixty-one percent already. We haven't talked about the the Native Americans. We haven't talked about the 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 Indians. We haven't talked about Asians. We haven't talked. About, I mean, the, the other groups. We haven't yeah. talked about them yet. So if we put that all together, man, I'm telling you, we are the dominant culture, and we can do business among ourselves. We don't need the privileged, you know, culture to tell us what to do or, or, or run our lives and, and, and those types of things. Well, we, we truly don't need to be, uh, it, it p- continue to be in this subservient place that we feel we have no control right. that, you know, we're, we're begging for our lives. Like what we saw with Joy Floyd and, and the many others that have died. Um, I'm going to put the link guys there so you can go and, and read up with this, the resources that we use today uh, for this program. Um, but yeah, we, you're absolutely right, Gil, but I would love to, you know, RBD has been around for 30 some years, 33 years, and we're still saying the same conversation over and over again. Yeah. And I get it, right? Sometimes it's not easy. And Fernando, you're absolutely right. We should build, uh, we shall build and work together. We have to work together. And really, the truly, the only way, the only reason we don't work together is because someone told us that we can't work together. Exactly. And again, that's a part of the Willie Lynch doctrine. (laughs) You know, divide and conquer. That's part of the Willie Lynch doctrine. And that's why when we are, they, 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 they make it so that when we argue among ourselves, we start criticizing each other's appearance, uh, you know, other our culture, you know, personal things about us because they want us not to like ourselves. So if they can make us feel inferior and feel awful, then we won't get together. We won't form that coalition. Right. That's what they're trying to do. So, oh, yeah. You know, right, got, exactly. Yeah. And keeping us pitted against each other oh, so yeah. that that won't happen. I mean, because even um, when you look, Fernando says, um, you know, thank you for sharing the information. Thank you for watching and tuning thank in. Thank you Be for watching, Fernando. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, yeah, guys. Uh, share the share the video, the show. Um, 
uh, this is a conversation that we have to have. We yeah. have to have these conversations every single day right. in order to do that. But you're Gilbert, if um if you're pinning groups against each other, telling oh, yeah. you don't trust the black people, oh yeah, don't trust the the Hispanic people, the Latino yeah. people, right. don't trust the Asian people, don't trust right. the Jewish people. What are oh, you yeah. doing? You're yeah. trying to keep us apart right. and making one feel more and more uh, dominant than the other. Is again, it's about they want you to stay in your place and wherever they put you in that status. They w don't want you to get out. And every time you look like you're going to get out. So Black Wall Street basically was about the fact these 10,000 black people were getting out of their place. Yeah. Your place is to stay under my foot, says the dominant race. Yeah. And you, what you think you're doing, you coming yeah. out. So we have to be able to fight beyond that. We have yeah. to be able to prove. And as you said, 69%. Mm -hmm. makes a big difference. And oh, for sure, man. When that dominant race is very concerned by 2042 mm -hmm. that they're not going to be dominant anymore. Right, right. And when you really look at it, you know, it's all, you know, I'm I'm a numbers person, right? Yeah. So, me too. <laughs> uh, right, you are too as well. So, yeah. if the dominant race is not having children, Mm -hmm. If the dominant race children are killing each other, killing themselves with with opiates and and meth and drugs and stuff like that, you will be that. No matter what you do to us, that's going to be the case. You can't kill us all out. <laughs> so I I know over the years they haven't really broken it down for us so we can understand what was going on. So uh -huh. let me paint a picture for everyone listening to this show right now. 62%. There are 320 million people in the United States, approximately. Okay. 320 million people. 62% of that is 198 million, 198.4 million. Okay? So think okay. about that. If, if you can do business among yourselves and you're 198.4 million, don't you think you can become more sustainable? You know, the different cultures working together instead of trying to get what the privileged culture has and they don't really care about us. You see what I'm saying? So right. think about that, guys. If you're an entrepreneur, think about that. There are 198.4 million people who are not a part of the oppressive group. <laughs> so... That's a marketplace that you can do business with and you can make your own money to become sustainable. So I just want to put that out there. I, I absolutely love that, Gilbert. You are so right. Uh, those numbers speak volume. And if that we got that many people together, working together, supporting each other, doing business together, doing what they did in Greenwood, creating all everything that you need the, the the pharmacy the hotel the whatever you need it is right there you don't even have to go there and with exactly. that number of people mm -hmm. you can maintain and stock the shelves to look like anybody's store. oh yeah oh you yeah. can have luxury hotels just like anybody else because mm -hmm. now you've created this this is the secret the money the mm -hmm. cash is the is the secret sauce to all of it. The more money you have, and there are certain uh, celebrity, black celebrities 
and sports figures that they are there's a certain amount of untouchability because of the fact how much money they just can't go right out and kill them. Mm-hmm. But they, but if they but again we all need to come together and really work to working together so that we can get out of this place we're in. I'm sick and tired of turning on the television and watching another one of our children uh, die in the street at the yeah. hands of somebody that thinks they're better than I am. Yeah. I am sick and tired of our businesses being told, no, they can't have loans to grow their businesses. Right. I'm tired of the meager handouts and throwouts you give me every yeah. time we start screaming racial and civil justice. Right. And then you want to throw out a few little dollars but you don't really make it that easy for me to get it. I still right. got to jump through hope hoops to yeah. get it. I still got to feel demeaned in getting it. Yeah. I want a place where I don't feel that way. Right. I want a black Wall Street. Yeah. I want a Greenwood, Tulsa, Homa, so that I feel that I'm proud and can stand tall and to work hard and to be able to make a better life for myself and my family. That's what I want. And I hope that every other American, black American, wants the same thing and the same thing in the Latino culture and and in any other culture for that matter. There is no reason. This is America. This is what America was supposed to be. We're supposed Mm -hmm. to be the land of the free and people were to be able to live the life that they wanted to live. That's, That's exactly my point. I totally endorse that, Crystal, because, you know, by them giving us little subsistence, like a little ridiculous stimulus check, $600. What is that going to do? You see what I'm saying? We need to be put in a position where we can be sustainable. And in order to be sustainable, we have a need that needs to be addressed. So whether it's a line of credit or, or a loan within our business or grants, that we can get to help us to sustain ourselves, to to run a business, to hire people, to 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 take care of our family, to purchase healthcare, proper healthcare. You know, not that bogus plan that they have out there where we can't even afford. Okay, right. healthcare, uh, uh, run the economy the way it's supposed to be, build the infrastructure, education for our our kids and our family. You see what I mean? <laughs> That's the kind of thing. So in the meantime, the education that we have to disseminate is what Crystal and I have here on the Business Zone. And for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, this is the Business Zone with Crystal and Gilbert. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook every Friday at 3 p.m. And uh, you can reach us if you're a business owner, you'd like to get your business promoted and you want to be a guest on this show reach out to to us reach out to crystal and crystal maybe you could put that number in the chat reach I out reach out to crystal if you'd like to be a guest on this show so you can talk about your business so you can help to promote your business so you can help to educate the community and provide a service or a product that can solve their pain or our pain in the community so that's what this program is about and that is our show, guys. We want to make sure you have a healthy and um, safe holiday weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, check out uh, the Tulsa burning, the 1921 race ma- uh, massacre, which is on the History Channel this weekend. Uh, so check that out on Sunday afternoon. Uh, go. This is this show is going to is that you on YouTube. Go check it out. Share it with your friends and family. 
Thank you, Stacy. Stacy says, great show. Thank um, you, Stacy McBride. And thank yeah, you also that's girl for that. That's one of my BFFs. And thank you, Stacy, for <laughs> tuning in. Fernando, and um, we just want you. you guys to be safe. Also, we want you to know, yeah, we're you know, coming out of the pandemic, but make sure you are safe. Make sure that you're still wearing your mask in places that you don't know and the people you don't know, because they may tell you they got the vaccine, but they may not have the vaccine. So stay safe, still continue to social distance um, and wash your hands and sanitize, but have a fantastic weekend. Uh, thank you, Tanya. Tanya said this was an insightful show. Thank I am you, proud Tanya. to be black. Thank I, don't, you, Tanya. I, I don't ever apologize for being black. And but I want to make sure that we are living and upholding and being uh, recognized by each other and supported by each other. And it would be my ultimate dream that I am supporting all black businesses and all black businesses are supporting mine. So um, with that, Gilbert, it's yeah. been a phenomenal show today. It's been. And I want to thank Fernando Young and Tanya Mackey also for tuning in. And uh, really, really appreciate you guys. Appreciate your input. And that's what we want to do. You know, we want to help to, to, to mold or improve a small business out there. So that's what this show is all about. So thank you, guys. Yeah, and so now go on over to YouTube and 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 hit our subscribe button so you get notification uh, every Friday at 3 p.m. that uh, the business zone is on. You actually you get a notification at uh, actually about 30, 40 minutes before we air. So make sure you go over there and do that. We truly appreciate your your subscribing to our channel. We wanted to grow our channel. In July, the Business Zone will be brought, have broadcast, have been on the air for five years. We're super proud and of our consistency. Five <laughs> years, baby. Five years we've been on this. Crystal and I, we've been on this for five years. So we want you guys to come celebrate with us in July, and we're going to have some goodies for you guys. Yeah. So thank you, guys. <laughs> Have a fantastic weekend. Gilbert, you got some plans for this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I got all kinds of work that I got to do. I've uh, got uh, some certifications. I got some proposals to do. Uh, I see uh, uh, there's an RFP I got to respond to. It's to provide procurement assistance to small businesses. So I got to see if we can get that. And if we get it, then we can help a lot of our minority and small and women-owned businesses out there. So... Um, we're always working for you guys, always trying to find ways to help you to start your business, grow your business, transform your business into a dynamic small business and make you ready. Business ready, contract ready, bank loan ready. That's what Crystal and I did. There you go. And I am going to take a little break. I'm going to play tennis tomorrow morning. I'm going to hang out, hang out with my girl Stacy and Daisy on Sunday. And then I'm going to have barbecue that my brother-in-law going to fix on Monday. So that's going to be my holiday weekend, not venturing out too far from home. Um, but uh, that's that's what I'm going to do. So we will see you guys next sat next Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, same channel, same bat channel, Facebook and <laughs> or YouTube. So we're out, guys. Have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you next week. And Lloyd, Lloyd, the truth, McLeod, thank you for tuning in, my brother. We're out. See you guys. 
As a small biz pro, I saw we roll Using procurement, program and control As a small biz pro, I saw we grow Using procurement, program and control I'm a business man, yes I'm an entrepreneur 